Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Morning, everybody. We're glad to welcome those of you back in the room who are comfortable being here, and also to all of you who are watching online. We stream now on three different platforms, and so thank you for going online each weekend, for sharing the services with your family and friends. We're reaching literally thousands of people through that uh, technology, and we're happy to have you here. Now, Susan did that song, they used to do that in my dad's church all the time, a great old hymn, Never Grow Old, and I thought about Rob and I sitting in stools while we were doing that. Lord, that's a bad, not a bad image after that song. But we're in a new series called Transformed, and we hope we can challenge and inspire you in this new series, really to take your life to the very next level. Uh, that is that's so funny what you talked about. Because, you know, the word transform actually just means a drastic change in your appearance or or your character. And uh, I think we've all thought about that. When you're talking about old, I'm thinking, you know, how many times have we looked in the mirror and go, you know, I wish I could just change that a little bit. You know, have you ever done that a little bit of that? No. Have you ever, you ever thought? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to lie. I'm in church. <laughs> of course. Of course. I wonder who that old man is looking back at me in the mirror now. That's, it. That's that? it. I think we all have done that. I think, you know, part of me, you know, it's always, you, you're, you know, you're trying to sure. keep yourself looking kind of fit. And so you're, <laughs> you're kind of looking that and want to transform yeah. Doing those things lose lose a little bit. Yeah, that's it. I've I've kind of dealt with that a lot. Have you? Uh, well, you know, they they say when you go to college, you know, it's the the, the when you first go, it's the freshman fifteen. You've ever heard that? You know, you get to get a little bit of that weight, you know, because of going off to school. Right. And now that we've been in lockdown for you know a year, I I now know why it's called the COVID nineteen. Right. You know what I mean? Because of, of what we've been doing. But I think we all wanted to kind of change. Yeah. And, and yeah. That. It, it that does happen. You now Rob was a tennis pro college, and, and, uh, and, and that's what he used to do. Of course, he was uh, kind of understanding how God had wired him and made him, so he's kind of got that going for him. You know, more of an athlete lately thing, it's easier for him to, I wasn't built like that. I'm not built for uh, speed, I was built for comfort, so I have to, I got to work on that a little bit. So transformation to me looks a little different than it does for him, but really it looks different for everyone. Everyone is in some way or another, it does. Uh, they're going it's, through a goes through that. Yeah. I gained 40 pounds when I stopped playing tennis. Yeah. Crazy, that boy, you need to do something. I know that's that. what I was. Oh, I said, man. well, <laughs> it was, I did. I gained forty pounds when I stopped playing. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy. No, it's like okay, salty or sweet? Who are you? What are you? Salty, salty, so sweet. Okay, well, yeah, I'm actually both. Okay, you know that, that's that's where the problem is. You know that late night bluebell always does it for me. Into that, you know. Oh, but I'm dieting now. I've I've gone from pralines and cream to just straight vanilla. That's I figure oh, that's. Man. I, I'm kind of do that kind of thing. That's some nasty stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> but we could talk about this all day, but we're actually talking about a different transformation. Right, yeah, right. But. And really, it is a, a, a reality in everyone's life that when, when you connect with your creator, when you invite Christ into your life and he becomes a reality in you, uh, the process doesn't start there, it begins there. The Bible, uh, uh, in fact, in John 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. So he talks about a spiritual birth the spiritual awakening, and nothing ends at a birth, everything begins there. And so really, when you connect with your creator, you begin this incredible journey, you enter into this wonderful process of God then transforming you so that you can become what you've already become. 
so you can begin to discern and determine mm -hmm. who God has created you to be. It's hard to do that when you're disconnected from your creator. It's hard to know how he's designed you, but once you've connected to the one that has designed you, then you enter into a process of understanding what you're here to do, what you're here to accomplish. You're not an accident, you're an mm -hmm. incident. God created you with a purpose in mind, and part of understanding his purpose mm -hmm. is understanding the power of transformation. transformation. And that's and that what we have to realize, you know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it talks about the fact that you're a new creation. You're not who you were, you're something different. And what happens, that change happened on the inside. And this whole part of, of transforming is taking what was changed on the inside. God changed your heart, that that now is coming out. So what happens, you've been changed on, on the inside, and now the process is going so that people can actually see that change on the outside. And we talked about that actually right. um, in the last series of proof, is the fact that when you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, people will see that proof. And that's what Jesus was talking about, the fact that you will actually be my witnesses in Acts 1.8. It right. says, you're going to be the witnesses. And this whole idea of what we need to do to transform is to show people that we are different. Yeah. And, uh, and that change is a process. Right. And, and we used, if you notice on the little video roll in, we used the butterfly to illustrate transformation. Because in the Bible, the, the word we're going to talk about this morning actually means metamorphosis. It's the same word translated as metamorphosis is also translated in Scripture as, as transformation. And you know from school that the metamorphosis is the process through which the um, caterpillar enters the cocoon and emerges as the butterfly. The process is called metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is to, is to be changed or transformed by light, by the power of light, meaning the inner nature becomes outward. What's in you comes out of you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that inner nature that's connected with your creator begins to be realized in how you do business, how you treat your family, how you love your neighbor, what kind of a person you are, how you do your life. All of that that's in you starts working its way out of you through this process, this metamorphosis, mm -hmm. this transformation that happens or should happen in everyone's life. And so a couple of verses to set the series up. One is Romans 8, 28, 29. It's a wonderful passage. It's one that's really helped me a lot since Cindy's been in heaven. It's understanding the power of these words. Listen, Romans 8, 28, and we know. I love the certainty with which the apostle writes, and we know. He doesn't say, I'm going to speculate. It's not a hypothesis. We, here's something of which you can be certain. We know that all things work together for good. He didn't say all things are good. Certainly that's not true. No one would say everything that happens to us is good. You go through the bitter and the sweet, the happy, the sad, the positive, the negatives, the successes and the failures. All of those things are a part of life. And Paul said, we know all things, no, now they're not good, but they work together for good. There is a way whereby every experience in my life and yours can ultimately work for us and can help enable us in this process of transformation. Notice what he said. It works for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And then he gets more to what he's doing here. In verse 29, he says, for those he foreknew, God knew beforehand, who would trust and who would reject. And based on that foreknowledge, he predetermined certain things to happen in their life. Now, I'm not gonna go, get, drop off in all that, but it's an interesting uh, study. So he said, I, I knew you would, and based on the fact that I knew you would, I predetermined some things that would happen in your life. And ultimately, this is the part I want you to see, ultimately is so that we are conformed into the image of his son. Now let's put all that together. Good, bad, happy, sad, all the things that happened in our life since we've known Christ as Savior, he's working those things out in a positive way for our good so that their transformation can come about so that 
our lives can be a reflection of who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, we use this word glory a lot. It sounds Christianese. You're like, what does that even mean? Um, glory is simply this. It's everything that God is. And when we, you hear the word in a song or you see it in scripture, the word glory could be defined as all that he is. So what God is looking for when we talk about glorifying him in our life is he wants us to be a reflection of everything he is. Everything he is should be reflected in how I live my life and how I treat my fellow man. And so this is a great verse really, Rob, to kind of understand the power of that transformation and what God is doing in our lives using those things to bring that about. Well, I think when you look at the process, when you, you start realizing, remember Jesus said in John 16, 33, that in this world you'll have trouble. He wasn't just talking to Christians. He was talking to every, every person. Right. And what's so great about what Paul says, he says that it works together for good for those who love the Lord. That means God is going to do something differently for the Christ followers than for people who don't follow him because that's, they're not participating in this process of right. what he's trying to do. And it kind of goes back to what James was talking about in James 1, that we count it all joy that when we face trials. And it's not saying that we're happy about everything we go through. Right. But the fact that we can be joyful because we know that God is with us. And not only is God with us, but he's doing something in us and through us in the process. He's maturing us. And what is he maturing us into? The image of his son. Right. And that's really what this whole transformation process that we're talking about in this series is what God is trying to do in and through you to form you into the image of his son. Right, and the second verse we wanted to give you that really sets it up, the series, is Romans 12. Look at verses one and two on the screen with us. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, note now, offer your bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, there's our word again, to the pattern of the world, but be right. transformed, there's the word, not conform, but transform by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for his life. Now there in that verse, you see beautifully trans, uh, you, you see beautifully presented the idea of being conformed or being transformed. Right. And notice how he sets it up. He said, you'll either be conformed it, the word by definition means pressed in the mold of, to be conformed, pressed in the mold of. You'll be conformed into the image of the world. Now, what does that mean? Um, when the Bible speaks of the world, we talked about this in the previous service, it, it talks about three primary things when the Bible uses the word world. One is the created world, uh, cosmos, uh, uh, cosmetic comes from that idea. It's an orderly system of, of applying makeup, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I lived with a woman 42 years. I know how that happens. Uh, and so it's an orderly process. So a cosmetic, cosmos, it's an orderly system. It's God's created world. And then you have the idea of world in the sense of people, for God so loved the world, uh, you and me. So we're people, that, that's the word world in that sense. And then the third usage of the word world is a system. Uh, we call, I, I would use a better word than worldly, I would call it uh, secularism. Um, and it, it, I would define it this way in, in church world. I would say uh, it is a system that does not include God in its thinking. In other words, I process my problems without bringing God into them. I, I don't pray about it. I don't bring him in. Well, that's a system, and, and a Christian shouldn't buy into that system. We should bring God into everything, right? He should be a part. But our, my, my default setting, our, our natural setting is secularism. It is to be conformed into the image of the world. So I have to have a process to move me away from that, and that's transformation so that I'm transformed into the image 
of this son. son. And that's a process. It is a process. And I think what you have to look at at the very beginning of the, the verse when it says, and Paul is saying, I urge you. What he's saying is the fact this is something that you actually choose to do or not to do. Right. And I think that's one of the things we have to realize, that, that where you are and what your life looks like is actually up to you. Now, God is going to be there with the process, but you've got to participate in the process. And this is what Paul was talking to the first century Christians about, because they understood the whole sacrifice system. They understood what it meant. You go up and you sacrifice your animal to, to God to be right with God. Well, he's, Paul is saying that, that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice to make you right with God. Now, you need to be the sacrifice. You need to be the one that's the sacrifice. What? So now that you live for God. And that's the difference. And we were talking before that so many people go through life and they actually have no proof of the, their life. They get through, to, get to right. stand in front of God at one point and not have anything to show for the, right. the life that he died for them to have. Yeah, it, it, transformation doesn't happen for everyone. I mean, you can be a Christ follower connected to your creator and never rise above that level. You can live life as a caterpillar. You never <laughs> go into the cocoon and emerge as a butterfly because you've never entered into the process of transformation. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the shocking thing about that is one day, what Rob was referring to is one day we'll stand before God, not to see if we stay or go, that was settled at the cross. Right. We'll stand before God to see what rewards we'll receive from the life that we've lived. Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not we have had positive things happen, we've been able to help and do things that are pleasing to God. He said, I'm gonna reward you for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna test the value of your work while done on earth by fire. And I don't know if it's literal or figuratively, but that's the word in 1 Corinthians 3. And then he says this, and this is pretty profound. He said, there will be people in heaven who will be saved. They're, they're, they're good, they're home, they're not going anywhere. But then he uses this expression, yet so as by fire. I'll give it to you in Texan. By the skin of, of their, their teeth. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> they are saved but singed. They just got through the gate and the kind of got them on the backside when they got to heaven. In other words, they lived their entire life to themselves, never for anyone else, never doing anything to make a difference in anyone's life. And consequently, yes, they're in heaven, but they'll have nothing to show so for the life that they've lived. Right. So we're challenging you to this power of transformation, realizing it will impact you not only in time, but it'll impact you in eternity. Mm -hmm. And so it involves, first of all, it involves a decision. It, everything we do, you, you, until you decide, you will not do. So the first thing we have to do is we have to get our, our minds turned in that direction and we have to decide this is something for me. I want transformation. I don't want to stay on the level of the caterpillar. I want, to, I want to move to the next level with God so that I can become all that he's created me to be. I, I, I want to achieve what he's created me to achieve. And this is important because you will settle, I'm, I'm sorry, you will end up on the level you settle on. Wherever you get satisfied with your life, your marriage, your business, you, you end up on the level you settle on. Right. And so I'm challenging you, challenging you not to become complacent. Be content, but don't be complacent. I mean, always realize as long as God's given you life, he has something for you to do, so keep pressing, keep moving, keep going. Don't give in, don't give up, don't give out. <laughs> Make a decision every day, God, I'm gonna put myself out there, and as he says, as that living sacrifice. As that living sacrifice, and I think that's the, the reality check a lot of us have to have, is the fact that the life that you have right now is the life that you've chosen to have. I mean, when you go back to even your, your butterfly illustration is, is to realize that the DNA of the caterpillar and the butterfly are the same. 
They're the exact same. Right. But what happens going through the process, the butterfly emerges. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea that, that we are something different and what it's talking about in this idea is if you're the, you're the butterfly, why are you crawling around like a caterpillar? You need to emerge. You need to be who God has called you to do. And Jesus talked about that very same thing when he was at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He was saying that basically your life is based on the decisions that you make. Yeah. And he was preaching to them. He was telling them in the Sermon on the Mount, this is how you need to live your life if you want to, to live a, a, a life for God. You want to be a Christian. You want to follow him. Live this way. And he says this. He said that the, those who hear my words and do what it says, you're like the wise builder. And when he's talking about being a wise builder, what he's saying is they understand that life is connected, that the decisions that you made yesterday impact today, that all of those things work, that this is, this is a process you're going through. And he says that when you're the wise builder, you're making your decisions based on me. You're following me. And because you're following me, yes, you're going to face these storms. Yes, you're going to go through things. But guess what? It's, it's not going to defeat you. It's not going to knock you over. You're going to keep growing. It's the same process that that uh, butterfly goes through in the cocoon. Right. It's that I'm facing this. Right. I'm going through this. But in that struggle, I come out. Yeah, as it's, the we all start out as the caterpillar. I mean, nothing wrong with being a caterpillar. You just don't want to stay a caterpillar. <laughs> I mean, in, in Romans 14, it says we all start with the equal measure of faith. It doesn't take more faith for me to trust Jesus than for you. It's what do you do with the faith once you've trusted him? First Peter, he says, add to your faith. That's the process again, right? So you start out, I remember the two, story of the two caterpillars crawling along and they see this butterfly flying ahead and one caterpillar says to the other, you'll never get me up one of those things. <laughs> well, get that on the way home. But the point is, you, you, don't want to stay, you don't want to stay the caterpillar. You want to realize God has created you for greater things. He's created you not for the cocoon, he's created you to fly. And so you, you have to get your mind turned in this direction or it won't happen. So it involves a decision. Second thing, it involves a discipline. It's a, it involves a discipline. You, you have to decide before you do, and if you aren't disciplined, you won't keep your commitment. And so he says there, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Remember, don't get pressed into a mold of thinking that doesn't include God, but instead be transformed, metamorphosis, how? By the renewing of your mind. Let me tell you how important that is, your thinking, your mind. You're here this morning because you first thought yourself here. Mm -hmm. You'll go wherever you go when you leave here because you first think yourself there. I mean, you think about it. We came into the world head first. And so when you come into the world head first, that simply means when you go from one dimension into the next dimension, you always go head first. You always go with your thinking first. That's why the late, great Zig Ziglar used to say you need the check up from the neck up <laughs> so you can get rid of the stinking thinking. That's not bad. In fact, in Proverbs, he simply says, as a person thinks in their heart, so will they be. Somebody saw that phrase and said this. They said, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. So it's interesting that he ties transformation to how you think. He says this process of being transformed from the caterpillar to the butterfly, really the power of the process is in the way a person thinks. It's thinking bigger. It's realizing God is bigger. He has a bigger plan. He has a bigger program. He has a purpose for your life. I said, you're not an accident. You're an incident. God has a design. He didn't just look down at heaven and discover you and say, I don't know what I'm going to do with that one. <laughs> I mean, he has a plan for you, but this plan is connected not only to the decisions I make, but to the disciplines that I follow. Well, any change 
is a result of, of having a disciplined life. I mean, if you're thinking about losing weight or doing anything, it starts with discipline. You have right. to go through this. And, and when you look at 2 Timothy 3, um, 16, it's talking about the fact that, that it's God's word is part of the discipline. It's the fact that that's what leads to the unrighteousness. Right. It, it, it teaches you, it rebukes you, it shows you how to live a right life. And so the discipline, a part of that is putting in your mind the word of God. Mm-hmm. In, in Isaiah 26, 3, it was talking about the fact that it's when we have the mind and we're, we're focusing on God is when we have peace in our life. And that's really what Paul was talking about, mm-hmm. the same thing in Philippians 4, when he was saying, think on these things. And, and to realize that your mind is what mm-hmm. is going to to basically give you the direction that you're going to live in because I'm going to choose to do what I think. Yep. Remember, it was what we thought that got us here this morning. Well, it's what it was going on, which determines where we're going to end up. So we need to think on these things. We need to put what God wants to do first. And what's interesting, when you read Philippians 4, 8, and you go, go on, that's when it says you then have the peace that passes all understanding. And it's, it's trusting God in every way and doing things God's way. Here's the interesting thing so many people get into. When life is going well, mm-hmm. then, man, we're all about God. We're following God we want to do. But the minute we start getting these struggles, now we're not really so sure. And that's when we start to take things into our own hands. But that's also when you go in the wrong direction. And that's why Paul was saying so much about, no, focus on God. What you need to realize, God wants the best for you, mm-hmm. okay? And not only God wants the best for you, doing God's thing doing things God's way is best for you. And so it's, it's that process of staying with him and being obedient to those things. Yeah, and if you're not disciplined in your thinking in that way, you can't get your head turned like that, you'll go back to the, the old default settings. And we all have default settings. Mm-hmm. Every one of us in the room, we have what the Bible refers to as a sin nature. It's, it's easy uh, to do that. It's easy to fall back on that. Uh, it, it just, it's the knee-jerk reaction. I, I, I told you before that everything you knew how to do before you know Jesus, you still know how to do that. Mm-hmm. If you knew how to roll a joint before you met Jesus, you can still roll a joint. I mean, that didn't, your mind just didn't get erased and didn't get blank. You know how to do all, everything you did, you knew all that before you knew him, you still know how to do that. Don't get pious as the Pope here. I'm saying <laughs> that things that happen in your life uh, that are positive and better than what you had before happen because we're cooperating with the process of being transformed. And if we don't, we're going to get right back into the pattern of the world and start acting and looking like what we did before we knew him. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a discipline, man. We get up every day and say, this is a new day God has given you. I want to make a difference. It starts in how I think. You know, garbage in, garbage out. I'm going to put good things in my mind and in my heart. I'm going to make sure I am disciplined in making a difference because I know God is going to bless me now. He'll bless me in eternity. So, Rob, it really involves a discipline. A discipline. And then the third thing, it involves the difference. This is the payoff. Notice what he says, latter part 12-2. Yeah, 12-2. He says, then, then. Here's what happened. When you decide and you're disciplined in this process that we're talking about, then you can test and approve. Let me explain that expression. To test and approve, literally when you, when you break that down in the Greek and you study that, it has the ability of discerning, discerning. To test and approve means you have discernment, and it's discerning in this particular instance, not things that oppose. Now stay with me on this. It means having discernment, not for the things that oppose. Things that oppose are good and evil, those oppose. Uh, I could go over to Met Kids and we could pull a four-year-old out of Met Kids and we could say, tell me about good and evil, right? 
uh, they would know. Kids know. They know about good and evil. Uh, they know about right and wrong. We walk out of here and somebody tries to sell you drugs in the lobby. Now, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm saying, I, you, you wouldn't have to come find me and say, Bill, I need you to pray with me about something. Somebody just tried to sell me drugs in the lobby, and I'm really praying about whether I should do that. <laughs> you would not do that. One of our fine officers out there would escort that person to uh, a place where they'll get three square meals and, and uh, three hots in a cot, they say. <laughs> and that would be done away with. But that's things that oppose. That's good and evil. That's not where you need discernment. I don't need discernment there. And that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about things that oppose. Get this. He's talking about things that differ. Differ, meaning good and better. Mm -hmm. That's where I need help. I don't need to help about right or wrong. I, I know that. What I need to know is what's good for me as opposed to what's best for me. Mm -hmm. uh, someone might be looking at who's good for you and who's best for you. See, that's discernment. What he's saying is when you are when you are dialed in and you are disciplined in your thinking and you're partnering with God, he will give you discernment. And notice he describes this discernment. It's his will. Mm -hmm. God has a will for your life. He says, if anyone wills to know my will, basically they will know my will. <laughs> if you have a desire to know what God has created you to do, he's not going to hide the ball. He will show you what he's created you to do. And so he says, in his will, notice now, think about it as a target. There is good, there is pleasing, and then there is perfect. Now, when good is you're on paper, right? If you've ever sighted a gun, in, you're on paper. That's good. You're, you're in church today, good. Way to go, you. Uh, you're watching online, good. That's, you're on paper. We got, that's awesome. But we want to get you to the next level of commitment, which is pleasing, that's awesome. And then to the center will, where you understand your purpose in life and you're partnering with God each day, that's perfect. That's when you're dialed in. And that's the difference that this transformation makes, Rob. That's it. Well, if, if the idea for us moving along this is to go into the image of Christ, right. then what happens is that we will be doing what Christ did. Right. And that's what we have to think about in our life. And, and when you realize that Jesus said that, you know, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. He said that also I came to seek and save the lost. Mm. That, that this is what this needs to be about because the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples. What he's saying is that I'm making a difference in your life for you to go make a difference in somebody else's right. life. And that's what this whole process is about that it's more about doing something for somebody else. I love the, the illustration when he did the parable of the, the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25 mm -hmm. when he was talking about this. And he was saying, you know, that, that he's talking about that you took care of me when you saw the need. Mm -hmm. and, and they were like, well, when did we, when did we take care of you? Right. doing this? And he said, if you've done the least of these, you've done it unto me. Well, it's like what it was talking about. It's just automatic right? because we are now doing what God would do. So it's an automatic thing for us to see somebody in need and to reach out. It's the same thing that, that uh, we'll be talking through this. And I think when we talk about the difference um, with, you know, even John with through that, that mm -hmm. we would just love because God loved us. Right. And so it's just this process that we're going to do what he did. Yeah. Because God sees the potential, and we're kind of wrapping it up now, but God sees the potential that you possess. Uh, Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, meaning while we were disconnected from our creator, he said God still loved us. Mm -hmm. uh, we tell you all the time, Christianity is not behavior modification. Mm -hmm. God doesn't change a person so that he can love them. He loves them so that he can change them. You see the difference? The, and the change comes about through the transformation. When we, as Rob said, we start loving the people that God loves, and we start doing the things that he does, if the church is the body of Christ, and it is, then we should do what he did. 
And the primary thing that he did is he reached out to people who didn't know him, didn't care about him. He loved them anyway. And that's what we're to be about. That's what the church is to look like. And he sees that. He sees that before it ever becomes a reality. He sees that in my life. He, he sees us as the butterfly before we're really ever in the cocoon. I remember uh, walking down the beach years ago, Cindy and I, and I, we saw a lot of this uh, driftwood that had washed up on the beach and just kind of stepped over it, kept going, you know. And then later we're in the shop. Uh, we're looking at some of these shops. And here are these beautiful artistic <laughs> designs out of driftwood. And I mean, very expensive designs out of driftwood. And I thought about the difference between me and that artist is I walked right over the beach and didn't see the potential of any of it. To me, it was just washed up ocean junk. I didn't see what that possessed. But an artist came by and he saw the potential that that piece of driftwood possessed and he made something beautiful out of it. And I think about that as you and I sometimes, we walk past each other and we don't always see the potential. I mean, we, you might look at somebody and go driftwood. <laughs> you know, don't do that, but I'm just saying. You know, you don't see the potential someone possesses, but let me tell you, God never looks at us that way. Mm -hmm. He always sees what we could be. And that's why it's so important we understand if we ever achieve that level of effectiveness, it's because we've entered the process called transformation. And we've made good decisions, we've been disciplined in it, and we've seen the difference that the discernment makes as we get into that way. Mm -hmm. Rob mentioned John, let me close with that. We did the gospel, or some of the stories from the gospel of John in the last series. John is really a great illustration of what we've talked about this weekend, Rob. When you meet John and his brother James, they're called the sons of thunder. Now, does that make you think of somebody that has anger issues? I mean, if your nickname <laughs> is a son of thunder, you know, you got a little chariot rage or something going on. I don't know. But he was called that, and he was introduced to Jesus that way. And by the way, the minute he connected with Jesus, did you know he was still an angry man? He was still hostile. Um, John, in fact, on one occasion when they were going back to Jerusalem and Jesus and the disciples wanted to cut through the land of the Samaritans and the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along. And when they were going to go across their land, the Samaritans stopped them and said, you're not coming through here. We don't want the Jewish people coming on our land. So they would have to go miles around to get to Jerusalem and it offended John. You know what he said? Let's call fire down from heaven and burn them out. I mean, it's calling an airstrike. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus just said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I mean, chill out. I'm not going to kill these people over that. We'll walk around. This is not a hill on which to die. But the point I don't want you to miss is John was hostile. He was angry, and he knew Jesus. I'm just saying, you can be hostile and angry and know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Somebody said the greatest argument for Christianity is a Christian. The greatest argument against Christianity is a Christian. And there can be people who stay as a caterpillar and they're never transformed into the butterfly. Could have been John. It wasn't. Because something happened in John's life when he stayed in the process. And guess what, guys? No one wrote more about love than John. Right. In fact, he's, he refers to himself as, I'm the apostle Jesus loves. You remember in the painting of the Lord's Supper when all the guys got on the side of the table for the picture? You remember that? And they're all on that side. And the artist depicts John as he's leaning over on Jesus and hugging him, and he's always depicted as the one apostle that loved Jesus more than all the other apostles. What happened to John? How is it that he went from a son of thunder to an apostle of love? I say this, transformation. Mm -hmm. And that's what I pray this series will do as we begin to color it a little more and look at what transformation looks like. Looks like, And I think that's the the bottom line for all of us. And we saw that in the, in the proof series that once we know that Jesus is who he says he is, then it's about us 
letting other people know that he is who he says he is. And that's what this transformation is all about. And I think the thing that we have to look at is that when people are seeing you as a Christ follower, but you're living exactly the same way, what is, as they are, what is, what is really their, mm-hmm. you know, right. want to, 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 to give their hearts to Christ? We need to be a difference. And that's what Paul was saying. And I mean, Peter was saying in 1 Peter 3.15, when he was saying that, be ready to give an account of the hope that's in you. And what he was talking about is the fact that everybody's going to go through something. Everybody's going to go through it, whether you're a Christ follower or not. But you can go through everything you go through in a different way. And people will see the difference. Mm -hmm. And because they see the difference, that you go through things with hope, when you go through things knowing that that God is with you, they're going to ask you. And this is your opportunity to not only show them the difference, but tell them what made the difference and see that life change. And that's what we're here, and that's what this series is going to be about. One real quick thing before we go, um, to let you know, one of the things we're trying to do is to make a difference, and we've been talking about staying in the Word and, and you all being a part of that. And I know a lot of people are a little scared as far as getting into Bible studies and the commitment. We have these Bible studies um, on demand, groups on demand, and Bill's starting a group, okay? He's got a group um, that you can sign up for. It's going to go along with this series, and if you, you can do it online or you can do it with your church center app. You can get your phone out. And just go on your church center app and go to groups, and you can sign up to be a part of what's going on. And it's just going to be some questions that he's going to put out there, and you talk about that. He'll be on there kind of going back and forth. But it's going to be all about how we're going to be transforming, how we can become who who, uh, God wants us to be. So it's going to be a great thing, so make sure you do that as well. All right, man. close this up? All right. We try to finish before you guys do, so I hope we did that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a chance we've had to worship and to give. Thank you for all you're doing in the life of this church. Lord, we want to be sensitive to reaching people. We know we can't reach people till they get reachable. And so, Father, I pray we'll always be sensitive primarily to people who are hurting because we know those watching online and those in the room, everybody has gone through or they are now going through something or, sadly, they'll go through something. So we want to be the church that's sensitive to them, especially during those times to encourage them, to love them. Uh, We're all broken. We're just broken in different places and in different ways. So help us to be sensitive to other people around us, to love them as you love them, uh, to care for them as you cared for them, to truly be uh, who you are on this earth. So Father, we pray for that. And then I pray, Lord, for those who may never have connected with you, they may never have received you as Savior. I pray this might be with the moment where they humble their heart and they just simply pray a prayer like this and say, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin. Be a reality in my life, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.